Section 9 of The Coming Race. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Rohde. The Coming Race by Edward George Bulwer Lytton. Chapter 15 Kind to me as I found all in this household. The young daughter of my host was the most considerate and thoughtful in her kindness. At her suggestion I laid aside the habiliments in which I had descended from the upper earth, and adopted the dress of the Vrilia, with the exception of the artful wings, which served them, when on foot, as a graceful mantle. But as many of the Vrilia, when occupied in urban pursuits, did not wear these wings, this exception created no marked difference between myself and the race among whom I sojourned, and I was thus able to visit the town without exciting unpleasant curiosity. Out of the household no one suspected that I had come from the upper world, and I was but regarded as one of some inferior and barbarous tribe whom Apollin entertained as a guest. The city was large in proportion to the territory round it, which was of no greater extent than many an English or Hungarian nobleman's estate. But the whole of it, to the verge of the rocks which constituted its boundary, was cultivated to the nicest degree, except where certain allotments of mountains and pasture were humanely left free to the sustenance of the harmless animals they had tamed, though not for domestic use. So great is their kindness towards these humbler creatures, that a sum is devoted from the public treasury for the purpose of deporting them to other Virilia communities willing to receive them, chiefly new colonies, whenever they become too numerous for the pastures allotted to them in their native place. They do not, however, multiply to an extent comparable to the ratio at which, with us animals bred for slaughter, increase. It seems a law of nature that animals not useful to man gradually recede from the domains he occupies, or even become extinct. It is an old custom of the various sovereign states amidst which the race of the Virilia are distributed, to leave between each state a neutral and uncultivated borderland. In the instance of the community I speak of, this tract, being a ridge of savage rocks, was impassable by foot, but was easily surmounted, whether by wings of the inhabitants or the airboats, of which I shall speak hereafter. Roads through it were also cut for the transit of vehicles impelled by Vril. These intercommunicating tracts were always kept lighted, and the expense thereof defrayed by a special tax, to which all the communities comprehended in the denomination of Vrilia contribute in settled proportions. By these means a considerable commercial traffic with other states, both near and distant, was carried on. The surplus wealth on this special community was chiefly agricultural. 
The community was also eminent for skill in constructing implements connected with the arts of husbandry. In exchange for such merchandise, it obtained articles more of luxury than necessity. There were few things imported on which they set a higher price than birds taught to pipe artful tunes in concert. These were brought from a great distance, and were marvellous for beauty of song and plumage. I understand that extraordinary care was taken by their breeders and teachers in selection, and that the species had wonderfully improved during the last few years. I saw no other pet animals among this community, except some very amusing and sportive creatures of the Batrachian species, resembling frogs, but with very intelligent countenances, which the children were fond of, and kept in their private gardens. They appear to have no animals akin to our dogs or horses, though that learned naturalist Z informed me that such creatures had once existed in those parts, and might now be found in regions inhabited by other races than the Virilia. She said that they had gradually disappeared from the more civilized world since the discovery of Vril, and the results attending that discovery had dispensed with their uses. Machinery and the invention of wings had superseded the horse as a beast of burden, and the dog was no longer wanted, either for protection or the chase, as it had been when the ancestors of the Vrilia feared the aggressions of their own kind, or hunted the lesser animals for food. Indeed, however, so far as the horse was concerned, this region was so rocky that a horse could have been there of little use either for pastime or burden. The only creature they use for the latter purpose is a kind of large goat, which is much employed on farms. The nature of the surrounding soil in these districts may be said to have first suggested the invention of wings and air-boats. The largeness of space in proportion to the space occupied by the city was occasioned by the custom of surrounding every house with a separate garden. The broad main street, in which Apollin dwelt, expanded into a vast square in which were placed the College of Sages and all the public offices. A magnificent fountain of the luminous fluid which I call naphtha, I am ignorant of its real nature, in the centre. All these public edifices have a uniform character of massiveness and solidity. They reminded me of the architectural pictures of Martin. Along the upper stories of each ran a balcony, or rather a terraced garden, supported by columns, filled with flowering plants, and tenanted by many kinds of tame birds. From the square branched several streets, all broad and brilliantly lighted, and ascending up the eminence on either side. In my excursions in the town I was never allowed to go alone. Apollin or his daughter was my habitual companion. In this community the adult Guy is seen walking with any young An as familiarly as if there were no difference of sex. 
The retail shops are not very numerous. The persons who attend on a customer are all children of various ages, and exceedingly intelligent and courteous, but without the least touch of importunity or cringing. The shopkeeper himself might or might not be visible. When visible, he seemed rarely employed on any matter connected with his professional business, and yet he had taken to that business from special liking for it, and quite independently of his general sources of fortune. The Anna of the community are, on the whole, an indolent set of beings after the active age of childhood. Whether by temperament or philosophy, they rank repose among the chief blessings of life. Indeed, when you take away from a human being the incentives to action which are found in cupidity or ambition, it seems to me no wonder that he rests quiet. In their ordinary movements they prefer the use of their feet to that of their wings. But for their sports, or, to indulge in a bold misuse of terms, their public promenades, they employ the latter, also for the aerial dances I have described, as well as for visiting their country places, which are mostly placed on lofty heights. And, when still young, they prefer their wings for travel into the other regions of the Anna to vehicular conveyances. Those who accustom themselves to flight can fly, if less rapidly than some birds, yet from twenty-five to thirty miles an hour, and keep up that rate for five or six hours at a stretch. But the Anna generally, on reaching middle age, are not fond of rapid movements requiring violent exercise. Perhaps for this reason, as they hold a doctrine which our own physicians will doubtless approve, namely, that regular transpiration through the pores of the skin is essential to health, they habitually use the sweating baths, to which we give the name Turkish or Roman, succeeded by douches of perfumed waters they have great faith in the salubrious virtue of certain perfumes it is their custom also at stated but rare periods perhaps four times a year when in health to use a bath charged with vril note i once tried the effect of the vril bath it was very similar in its invigorating powers to that of the baths at Gastein, the virtues of which are described by many physicians to electricity. But though similar, the effect of the Vril bath was more lasting. End note. They consider that this fluid, sparingly used, is a great sustainer of life, but used in excess when in the normal state of health rather tends to reaction and exhausted vitality. For nearly all their diseases, however, they resort to it as the chief assistant to nature in throwing off their complaint. In their own way they are the most luxurious of people, but all their luxuries are innocent. They may be said to dwell in an atmosphere of music and fragrance. 
Every room has its mechanical contrivances for melodious sounds, usually tuned down to soft murmured notes, which seem like sweet whispers from invisible spirits. They are too accustomed to these gentle sounds to find them a hindrance to conversation, nor, when alone, to reflection. But they have a notion that to breathe an air filled with continuous melody and perfume has necessarily an effect at once soothing and elevating upon the formation of character and the habits of thought. Though so temperate, and with total abstinence from other animal food than milk, and from all intoxicating drinks, they are delicate and dainty to an extreme in food and beverage, and in all their sports even the old exhibit a childlike gaiety. Happiness is the end at which they aim, not as the excitement of a moment, but as the prevailing condition of the entire existence, and regard for the happiness of each other is evinced by the exquisite amenity of their manners. Their conformation of skull has marked differences from that of any known races in the upper world, though I cannot help thinking it a development, in the course of countless ages of the brachycephalic type of the age of stone in Lyell's Elements of Geology, chapter 10, page 113, as compared with the dolichocephalic type of the beginning of the age of iron, correspondent with that now so prevalent amongst us, and called the Celtic type. It has the same comparative massiveness of forehead, not receding like the Celtic, the same even roundness in the frontal organs. But it is far loftier in the apex, and far less pronounced in the hinder cranial hemisphere, where phrenologists place the animal organs. To speak as a phrenologist, the cranium common to the Vrilia has the organs of weight, number, tune, form, order, causality, very largely developed. That of construction, much more pronounced than that of ideality. Those which are called the moral organs, such as conscientiousness and benevolence, are amazingly full. Amativeness and combativeness are both small, adhesiveness large. The organ of destructiveness, i.e., of determined clearance of intervening obstacles, immense, but less than that of benevolence. And their philoprogenitiveness takes rather the character of compassion and tenderness to things that need aid or protection than of the animal love of offspring. I never met with one person deformed or misshapen. The beauty of their countenances is not only in symmetry of feature, but in a smoothness of surface, which continues without line or wrinkle to the extreme of old age, and a serene sweetness of expression, combined with that majesty which seems to come from consciousness of power and the freedom of all terror, physical or moral. It is that very sweetness, combined with that majesty, which inspired in a beholder like myself, accustomed to strive with the passions of mankind, 
a sentiment of humiliation, of awe, of dread. It is such an expression as a painter might give to a demigod, a genius, an angel. The males of the Vrilya are entirely beardless. The Jaye sometimes, in old age, develop a small moustache. I was surprised to find that the color of their skin was not uniformly that which I had remarked in those individuals whom I had first encountered, some being much fairer, and even with blue eyes, and hair of a deep golden auburn, though still of complexions warmer or richer in tone than persons in the north of Europe. I was told that this admixture of colouring arose from the intermarriage with other and more distant tribes of the Vrilya, who, whether by the accident of climate or early distinction of race, were of fairer hues than the tribes of which this community formed one. It was considered that the dark red skin showed the most ancient family of Anna, but they attached no sentiment of pride to that antiquity, and, on the contrary, believed their present excellence of breed came from frequent crossing with other families differing yet akin, and they encourage such intermarriages, always provided that it be with the Vrilya nations, nations which, not conforming their manners and institutions to those of the Vrilya, nor indeed held capable of acquiring the powers over the vril agencies which it had taken them generations to attain and transmit were regarded with more disdain than the citizens of new york regard the negroes i learned from z who had more lore in all matters than any male with whom i was brought into familiar converse that the superiority of the Vrilya was supposed to have originated in the intensity of their earlier struggles against obstacles in nature amidst the localities in which they had first settled. Wherever, said Z, moralizing, wherever goes on that early process in the history of civilization by which life is made a struggle, in which the individual has to put forth all his powers to compete with his fellow, we invariably find this result, namely, since in the competition a vast number must perish, nature selects for preservation only the strongest specimens. With our race, therefore, even before the discovery of Vril, only the highest organizations were preserved, and there is among our ancient books a legend, once popularly believed, that we were driven from a region that seems to denote the world you come from, in order to perfect our condition, and attain to the purest elimination of our species, by the severity of the struggles our forefathers underwent, and that, when our education shall become finally completed, we are destined to return to the upper world, and supplant all the inferior races now existing therein. Apalin and Z often conversed with me in private upon the political and social conditions of that upper world, in which Z so philosophically assumed 
that the inhabitants were to be exterminated one day or other by the advent of the vrilya they found in my accounts in which i continued to do all i could without launching into falsehoods so positive that they would have been easily detected by the shrewdness of my listeners to present our powers and ourselves in the most flattering point of view perpetual subjects of comparison between our most civilized populations and the meaner subterranean races which they considered hopelessly plunged in barbarism and doomed to gradual if certain extinction but they both agreed in desiring to conceal from their community all premature opening into the regions lighted by the sun both were humane and shrunk from the thought of annihilating so many millions of creatures and the pictures i drew of our life highly colored as they were saddened them in vain i boasted of our great men poets philosophers orators generals and defied the virilia to produce their equals alas said z this predominance of the few over the many is the surest and most fatal sign of a race incorrigibly savage see you not that the primary condition of mortal happiness consists in the extinction of that strife and competition between individuals which no matter what forms of government they adopt render the many subordinate to the few destroy real liberty to the individual whatever may be the nominal liberty of the state and annul that calm of existence without which felicity mental or bodily cannot be attained our notion is that the more we can assimilate life to the existence which our noblest ideas conceive to be that of spirits on the other side of the grave why the more we approximate to a divine happiness here and the more easily we glide into the conditions of being hereafter for surely all we can imagine of the life of gods or of blessed immortals supposes the absence of self-made cares and contentious passions such as avarice and ambition it seems to us that it must be a life of serene tranquillity not indeed without active occupations to the intellectual or spiritual powers but occupations of whatsoever nature they be congenial to the idiosyncrasies of each not forced and repugnant a life gladdened by the untrammelled interchange of gentle affections in which the moral atmosphere utterly kills hate and vengeance and strife and rivalry such is the political state to which all the tribes and families of the vrilya seek to attain and towards that goal all our theories of government are shaped you see how utterly opposed is such a progress to that of the uncivilized nations from which you come and which aim at a systematic perpetuity of troubles and cares and warring passions aggravated more and more as their progress storms its way onward 
the most powerful of all the races in our world beyond the pale of the Virilia, esteems itself the best governed of all political societies and to have reached in that respect the extreme end at which political wisdom can arrive so that the other nations should tend more or less to copy it it has established on its broadest base the kumposh namely the government of the ignorant upon the principles of being the most numerous it has placed the supreme bliss in the vying with each other in all things so that the evil passions are never in repose vying for power for wealth for eminence of some kind and in this rivalry it is horrible to hear the vituperation the slanders and calumnies which even the best and mildest among them heap on each other without remorse or shame some years ago said apalin i visited this people and their misery and degradation were the most appalling because they were always boasting of their felicity and grandeur as compared with the rest of their species and there is no hope that this people which evidently resembles your own can improve because all their notions tend to further deterioration they desire to enlarge their dominion more and more in direct antagonism to the truth that beyond a very limited range it is impossible to secure to a community the happiness which belongs to a well-ordered family and the more they mature a system by which a few individuals are heated and swollen to a size above the standard slenderness of the millions the more they chuckle and exact and cry out see by what great exceptions to the common littleness of our race we prove the magnificent results of our system in fact resumed z if the wisdom of human life be to approximate to the serene equality of immortals there can be no more direct flying off into the opposite direction than a system which aims at carrying to the utmost the inequalities and turbulences of mortals nor do i see how by any forms of religious belief mortals so acting could fit themselves even to appreciate the joys of immortals to which they still expect to be transferred by mere act of dying on the contrary minds accustomed to place happiness in things so much the reverse of godlike would find the happiness of gods exceedingly dull and would long to get back to a world in which they could quarrel with each other. End of chapter 15